It's our favorite day of the week. It's Tuesday, which means Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joins us. It was a show we've been waiting for for a week. Rick Bennell joins us to talk about the departure of Alonzo Mourning and what really went down. We also discuss a couple of the other things that we have uh, have planned for the next couple of weeks and this. I uh, I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that was so good. I'm tired. I'm a little... That was so good. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. We've been excited about this episode. We talked with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer off air after our interview last week, and he told us exactly the topic that he would be discussing for the Hidden Hornets history this week, and it's finally... I both have been excited to talk with him about it. So here we are today on this Tuesday, as Rick does. He joins us weekly, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer, and you can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm fine considering the circumstances. Um, you know, when everybody else was told to work at home, I just kind of, the based on the way that I work, I have a really nice, very suitable home office. And anywhere that I have an inter net connection and a laptop you know it's, it's what i'm saying is it because i travel so much i'm just kind of used to it so i feel like it's been less of an adjustment than it has been to a lot of other people i was gonna say does it do you keep that same frame of mind as the time goes on or are you starting to feel uh, a little bit cooped up inside a little bit more as we go on or are you still doing all right um Ask me if they if if uh, Mecklenburg County closes down the Greenway near my home. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, we've often talked to you when you're on the Greenway. I would imagine that would be something different for you to handle. Uh, Rick Bennell again joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Rick, let's get started about some of the things that maybe the NBA is going through because of the coronavirus. Uh, I, one thing that's interesting to me, it's I feel like the timeline has been pushed back quite a bit, like the expectations for the NBA, the expectations really with everything in the world kind of being put on hold, everything getting pushed back further and further because of this. The NFL is the one league that hasn't responded that way. How do you compare and contrast the NBA and the NFL and how they're giving guidance to players in response to the coronavirus? Um, I can really only talk about this anecdotally. I, you know, I, I'm not in the information chain with the NFL, but I'll tell you what I, what I was curious about. I just find this very interesting that when the NBA um, told teams to close their training facilities, they didn't just do that. They also sent, you know, directives to players um, asking them to stay out of other, you know, stay out of fitness centers, stay out of gyms, you know, don't go back to the campus of where you went to college and start using their stuff. You know, they really wanted players to be, you know, staying out of places where they might be using equipment that other people use. It's interesting to me, you know, you, you and I talked about this off air. Um, you all over Twitter, you see um, videos of NFL players 
you know, randomly getting together with other NFL players, you know, Cam Newton was apparently doing this down in Atlanta, um, you know, throwing to receivers. And I understand the the great desire with free agency coming along and everything else that goes with it. I understand a real desire to try to stay sharp. Um, but it strikes me just a, a dramatic contrast Maybe some of that is about the difference in the two sports calendars, but it seems like the NBA, if anything, is being extremely careful about demonstrating caution. And it seems like by comparison, I'm not implying there's anything reckless about what they're doing, but it seems like by comparison, the NFL is trying hard to take a business as usual attitude about all this. Rick, I don't even know if there's a need to, but just curious if you've reached out to anybody, a part of the Hornets organization, just basically how they've been doing what they've been doing in the time since the suspension was announced. Um, I thought that the, uh, the article that our columnist Scott Fowler did with Cody Zeller was really interesting about how, you know, Cody, you know, as a as a single guy living alone, um, you know, he's he said that he is um, watching every single Marvel movie ever made. He was <laughs> himself the guitar. Um, finally, I think out of desperation, he got in his car and drove to Indiana where his family is just so that, you know, he wasn't, you know, cooped up and becoming you know, like Will Smith and I am legend or something. I think a lot of us are dealing with that right now. Yeah. Especially you know, I, I get the whole single guy cooped up at the apartment thing. I absolutely sympathize with him on that. Uh, Rick, let's go to a Twitter question from one of our listeners, Caleb, Caleb asked us on Twitter and to ask to you, given the lack of cap space league wide, will the Hornets be in an even more advantageous position to take on bad salary in exchange for draft assets or young talent this off season? If, and when the salary cap is decreased following a suspend slash shortened season, what do you have to say to Caleb on Twitter, Rick? Um, actually I, I, I answered him and basically this is the way that I put it. Um, there is the, the general opinion of the 2020 NBA draft class is so underwhelming that I don't think there's going to be any urgency to borrow the Hornets um, cap space to any large degree. Um, you know, in other words, whether it's $28 million more um, cap space than the, the number or whether it's, say, you know, $20 million more. I don't you know, if, if we were in a situation where this was a bumper crop of free agents, I think you could Mitch Kupchak could leverage that dramatically better than he will be able to in this circumstance. Rick is winning far enough out to where maybe Mitch Kupchak would try to add to some of the cap space. I know that he's talked frequently about not being big players in free agency, but is winning far enough out to where they don't care necessarily about making sure they make a playoff run next season to where maybe they try to get even more cap space. And then when 2021 rolls around, everybody wants some of those stars. It's that, is that something that might be a little bit more advantageous, uh, advantageous for the Charlotte Hornets? Frankly, Walker, I think if, if none of this stuff had happened with coronavirus, that would already be true. Um, okay. You, you got to keep in mind you know, Nick Batum's contract comes off the cap at the end of next season. You know, it's funny. Somebody asked me, and I and I understand reason people ask these questions. I'm not I'm not 
belittling this in any way, but somebody asked me if if he would if I could imagine them using the stretch provision on Nick. And I said that it struck me as just the opposite, that if you don't have an immediate use for cap space, you know, why would you mortgage your obligate your cap obligations to Nick into into more seasons than you have to just get it over with. Um, I would I would frankly be surprised if they did anything in the next, you know, nine to 15 months that would seriously jeopardize their flexibility in the summer of 2021. Coming up in the next segment, we are going to talk to Rick about some hidden Hornets history. We're going to go all the way back to the era of Alonzo Mourning. But before we do that, Rick, I want to ask you about uh, something we're going to do a little bit in the future, a bracket challenge featuring the greatest moments in franchise history. We've made a a list here, and later on in the show, we're actually going to start to seed this, so give them some you know, kind of one through four seeds. We're going to pick 16 of these moments. I've got... Uh, obviously, Alonzo Morning shot against the Celtics for the first uh, series win. We've got drafting LJ, Kimball Walker's 60-point game, those kind of moments. Can you can you think of some sneak moments maybe that we wouldn't be thinking of in terms of great – and it could be Bobcats or Hornets. It's the whole franchise's history. What are, what are some great moments when you start to think about those? I'm glad you said sneak moments because, you know, <laughs> as difficult as the first few years of the Bobcats were – um, I thought that night that Kobe had that magnificent individual night, but the Bobcats beat them was a really cool, you know, cool game, cool night. Everything about it was was kind of new. Um, the Hornets, well, I'm sorry, the Bobcats, um, striking success for a couple of years against the Lakers was a really entertaining little storyline. Um, you know, the other thing that the only other thing that would come to mind in recent memory, I think, would be um, drafting Kemba, because remember, you know, Kemba was secondary to biz as far as, you know, their priorities. And Jordan, I've heard these stories about how Jordan just saw something in Kemba's mental makeup when he was at UConn that he found really, really personally attractive. And to me, that's a, you know, when you talk about the the neat little moments in the 30-some years of the NBA in Charlotte, um, stumbling over Kemba's potential has got to be one of them. Well, and, and even you could probably say this for most first-round draft picks, but players that are drafted that high, yes, they're all going to garner national attention. But Kemba, even more so for your typical nine overall pick, because of the way that he led UConn through that Big East championship and the NCAA championship, I, I think a lot of people wanted to see where Kimba was going to end up and people were afraid of his height. But yeah, Kimba goes to Charlotte and certainly became the best player in Charlotte franchise history. We've got more from Rick Bennell ahead, including our Hidden Hornets history segment. But first, we have some really wonderful sponsors on this show, but, but no sponsor is more special to us than Queen City Beauty Group because they are local and we have to support our local businesses in any way we can right now. We've told you over the weeks how amazing they are. Nichelle Mosley is an award-winning esthetician. They do custom skin treatments. Like, who does that? That's amazing. They have an acne clinic. It's like no other spa in Charlotte. And uh, they're going to roll out a virtual consultation for remote clients that we'll be telling you more about soon if you're interested. 
Um, you know, we know right now it's it's a weird time. You can't necessarily go and pay a visit to places, but we'd like you to consider an e-gift card purchase for using later at Queen City Beauty Group. For the month of March, Queen City Beauty Group is offering e-gift cards for 30% off redeemable for future services. Gift cards are available in custom amounts from $35 all the way up to $1,000, and that's all at a 30% savings. To take advantage of this special offer and to support a local business, you can go to www.queencitybeautygroup.com. You click shop at the top of the page and then e-gift cards on the top of the next page. Remember, in times like these small businesses, they need your support now more than ever. Queen City Beauty Group appreciates your support and your support of the Locked On Podcast Network, Queen City Beauty Group, skincare for all. Want to get to some Hidden Hornets history on the other side of the break. More of the Charlotte Observer to come. This is Locked On Hornets. SGA, 20 points, 20 rebounds, triple-double. I don't have a question. Oh, I just wanted to throw that in the middle of the arena. God almighty. Oh, oh, that knife. It hurt. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rick made a bump. You're a part of the show, Rick. Even more permanently so. You made a bump. How do you feel? Hey, all I have to say in a very Bobby Rosinski way yeah. is I have to say I told you so for the rest of my life about SGA. <laughs> you do. Yes, you do. SGA certainly looks like a stud, and you are absolutely right about that, Doug, stabbing us with that knife when he brought up how good SGA was performing this season. All right, Rick, this is what we've been excited about. We talked about what we might discuss coming up this week with you off air. When we got off the mics, we were trying to figure out a topic and you said you might want to talk about Alonzo morning and how it all went down when he left Charlotte, me and Doug looked at each other through our camera lens and said, hell yes, that's exactly what we want to talk about. So a part of your hidden Hornets history here today, uh, Rick, how did Alonzo morning really leave Charlotte? What were some of the things you wanted to talk about a part of his absence? Um, you know, this was, Remember, this is um, right when high-profile athletes were really starting to realize, you know, what power they had in the marketplace. I mean, the way that Zoe and David Falk handled this was in some small way a precursor to what we became used to with LeBron. As far as, pe- you know, players no longer just accepting, you know, you know, fates, taking more control over their careers. And... Zoe was going to get to the Miami Heat one way or the other. Um, And when he basically gave them an ultimatum, you know, that he just play out his contract and force the issue and, you know, make the Hornets do with whatever they they had to do. um, Bob Bass, and I don't think he's ever got enough credit for this, made the best of a bad situation by going and and salvaging a trade. You know, that the trade that ended up happening – Glenn Rice was, you know, turned out to be one hell of a player. And Matt Geiger was a very serviceable player for a short time, at least. And they got a, they got a first-round pick beyond that. Here's the, here's the thing that I always find amusing about that. Um, when, when, um, when the Heat made, you know, made a tentative deal with Bass for what ended up becoming compensation for Zoe, um, Zoe, got, Zoe got mad about it. Um, he he uh, expressed privately to both teams that he was not at all happy with how much the Heat was going to have to give up and weaken their roster in order to make a trade happen. 
And Zoe, you know, kind of balked about, well, I'm, I might not commit to signing, you know, with the Heat if this, if this is what it ends up happening, trying to, you know, manipulate the Hornets into, you know, softening their stance. And I love this story because it's so old school Bob Bass. You got to understand, you know, Bob, Bob's formative time as, as an NBA, as a, as basketball general manager was in the ABA. I mean, he literally sold office furniture um, to keep, you know, um, ABA franchises alive. You know, like, you know, like office, office furniture was like given up because they had to pay the bills. Um, from what I understand, Bob and this, you know, this nice old, you know, white haired grandfather could really be a not nice guy when, when it was appropriate. Bob let, um, let Zoe and his camp know that if, um, if he didn't stop acting this way, Bob out of spite would just immediately trade him to the Clippers and didn't care what he got back in return. <laughs> that was the punishment. I will send you to the Clippers. If you keep acting this way, that's fantastic. That was a punishment for a long time. Not just in what? the, in the nineties. Hey, uh, Rick, you mentioned that Glenn rice was, was a heck of a player. Uh, and it was a good, you know, a good return when they got rice back. Um, I was looking into this and uh, there's a quote here from Robert Parrish, who was playing for the Hornets at the time, and he called Rice, quote, a hell of a player, but let's face it, he's no Alonzo Mourning. Also, in some of the articles that I was reading, it appeared that a lot of the players at the time that were playing for the Hornets got together with Zoe and tried to convince him to stay, but, but obviously something broke down because Alonzo decided, hey, I don't want to be part of this organization anymore. I want to go to the Miami Heat. Uh, what happened there, and and from what you remember, like what was LJ? LJ had a big contract at the time too. Like what what role did that play in in the ultimate exit? Um, Alan Bristow was very much in the in the Larry camp, and Alan, even though he was no longer general manager, he'd become coach. Um, Alan was dead set against paying Alonzo Mourning more money than than Larry Johnson, and. In all candor, that was ludicrous. You know what I'm saying? Is Larry was a really good player. Um, Zoe was, you know, Zoe just based on his rookie season was, you know, going to be an all-star. I mean, and, 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 a, and, a, and a Hall of Famer, both of which he, you know, he ultimately was. Um, you had to, the problem is the Hornets set the precedent, set the, set the floor for whatever Alonzo should expect financially with what they did for Larry. And the other thing, um, and this is well chronicled is Zoe and Larry didn't like each other. That became mm. a comfortable situation. And I will tell you a story that relates to that. Zoe could be really condescending. And, you know, I think you all, you've, you've all heard the stories about what, uh, you know, everybody, everybody in the locker room loved Larry. They loved you know his, his, what he liked about being a teammate. Um, Larry had some tailor custom make him, you know, several suits, and let the tailor pick out the, you know, the, the fabric, um, the style, all that stuff. And when Zoe overheard Larry talking about this, he made some very snide remark about how something to the effect of that ain't shopping. That's just buying. Alonzo <laughs> <laughs> and Larry, man. Jeez. And how relax. So, so yeah, I, <laughs> How about the relationship between Larry? I, I don't want to get too far off of this subject, Doug. Am I going too far if I ask about the Larry 
conver- the Larry relationship with the Hornets and how that ended up, or should we try to stick with Zoe as much as possible? I, I mean, that, that could be, that could be another, that could be another okay. hidden Hornets. All right. I'll leave that alone, Rick. Forgive me. I'll leave that alone. Uh, just looking at, um, all right. Do you have any other questions about Alonzo, Doug? Was there anything else you wanted well, to mention? Well, yeah, I wanted to get to one more quote by Robert Parrish that I dug up from the uh, from the Chicago Tribune. Apparently, the chief was talkative back in the day. He had a lot to say about uh, this situation. He said, uh, every player when his contract is up is going to seek out the best financial deal. So there's a high probability many will gravitate to bigger market teams that have luxury boxes that can generate more income uh, the Charlotte Coliseum did not have luxury boxes at the time. Uh, how big a factor was that in Alonzo's decision to go to Miami? Um, I, th- what I'm about to say is, is much more educated speculation than fact reporting. But I will say this, Doug. Um, the fact that this was a small market and that George Shin, you know, didn't own a cruise line like the, like the Heat you know, owner, that was a factor. But in all candor, I think what Alonzo was really doing was getting himself to a place where he was going to play for Pat Riley. I think this was much more in a in a LeBron James kind of way about taking control of the destiny of your career than it was simply about money. Because I do know that George Shin's on record as saying that their best offer to Zoe um, – you know, was absolutely competitive financially. Zoe, by that point, had just become exasperated and wasn't so sure he wanted to be here. Rick, we're also going to do a rewatch of the Bucks and the Hornets 2001 series. And just we're doing a bunch of rewatches here. And I that was the last time that, of course, they won the playoff series. They were within a game of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. So just trying to find significant moments to go back and rewatch. Uh, that was the closest, right? The Hornets have get it, uh, come to getting to an ECF. What do you remember about that series, the, the Hornets series against the Milwaukee Bucks? Um, the absolute theater, the absurd with that one was Derek Coleman got hurt at a, at a game up in Milwaukee that I believe from memory would have closed out the series and sent them to the Eastern Conference Final. He got hurt. There was a timeout. And there's a disagreement about whether he never made an effort to let anybody know he was hurt or whether nobody heard him say that. But he just disappeared into the locker room. And when they reassembled on the court, Suddenly there were four people out there and not five, and it cost the Hornets severely in that game. Um, I have always wondered since obviously, you know, the will to replace this Charlotte Coliseum was as much a political perception issue as it was a does Charlotte really need a new arena issue. I always wonder if they had gotten to the Eastern Conference final, if there would have been a different outcome that would have kept the original Hornets here. Um, Yeah. I mean, Derek Coleman, that's one of, I feel like many Derek Coleman, what if kind of stories during his time uh, with the Charlotte Hornets, which we, we may dig into in the future, Rick. Uh, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, we had Del Curry on one time and I feel like he said that his biggest, what if Hornets wise was not that. And it surprised me when he said it wasn't the Zoe LJ era it was it was after that during Anthony Mason's time when Anthony Mason was hurt he felt like that team had a real opportunity to do some damage in the playoffs and um, 
and hey, unfortunately, John, can I give you my version of that? Well, yeah, that's what I was wondering. What, do you agree? Is that what's the big, bigger what if in that situation? Alonzo <laughs> staying or Anthony not getting hurt? I was actually going to give you a third example of this. Okay, with that, I am really convinced that if Al Jefferson hadn't destroyed his plantar fascia, that they not only would have beaten the Heat, oh! but more importantly. And I've had this discussion on more than one occasion with Steve Clifford. The way that the way that the uh, that team matched up with the Raptors, I think they actually, even though they wouldn't have had home court, I'm convinced they would have beaten the Raptors in the second round. Oh yes, that's fantastic. Thank you, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer here in the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Living through some of the good times that the Hornets have given us in their franchise's history, Rick. I mean, that was great. Loved every minute of it. I was excited about this one and it was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, I'm just sorry that I was uncomfortable not saying exactly how Bob Bass told David <laughs> Fox about, <laughs> about that idea of being traded to the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we can censor it up a little bit. Uh, it is podcasting, but sure, we can censor it up a little bit. I think people can only imagine what Bob Bass really was feeling in that time. Rick, we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. More show ahead, including some of your uh, Twitter suggestions on our greatest moments in franchise history bracket that we will be doing next week. But first, I famously do not love to read things because it takes too much work, but I'm also tired of being ridiculed on this show for being a clown. Uh, so here's what I did. and uh, That's no. not going to stop, Doug. I'm not stopping from doing that, but that's fine. You can think that it might stop. Well, once you learn how much education I'm getting from Blinkist, you're going oh. to stop. You're going to be forced to stop, okay? I just downloaded this new app on my phone. It's called Blinkist, and it's helping me learn more faster so that I can come on this show and be the wisest. Blinkist <laughs> is really cool. Here's, here's what's going on with Blinkist. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book anytime, anywhere. Uh, for example, I downloaded the sports gene inside the science of extraordinary athletic performance by David Epstein. This is a book that I've been wanting to finish for a long time. And with Blinkist, I've been able to do that. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. This is Locked on Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is. Yeah, no, like I know, that yeah, no, I definitely. Sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or are you a problem? Were you just not listening, or were, was I just that I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't. Li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. 
I uh, I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> oh yeah, I that honest. was so good. I'm tired. I'm a little. That was so good. My mu- you know that feeling when you've when you've exercised too hard and your muscles get a, it's like a little numb in your arms and your legs. I mean, I haven't exercised in a while, so I don't know. I can't really remember exactly what that feels like, but that's what I kind of feel like right now. The best thing about all of that was the Bob Bass part of the story. Oh, you think uh, that's all- the best part? Well, the, for me, yes, hearing Bob Bass just basically take it to Alonzo Mourning. And the specific best part about the Bob Bass part of the story was selling the office furniture <laughs> in order to keep the team afloat. Not even just the team, nothing to do with the record, just keeping the team within the confines of your grasp, just not having to sell it. In order to, in order to do that, you had to sell office furniture. That's hilarious. That's like, that's... 18th, that's 19th century baseball stuff. That's phenomenal. That's, I mean, that's crazy. There are all kinds of crazy ABA stories about what they had to do to keep teams going. Um, It is, it is fantastic. I'm sure there are great XFL stories that we haven't heard yet that are going to be similar. The things that the links that teams go uh, to make sure that their books are okay. Um, But there was, I mean, there were so many great things in there. We got a Derek Coleman story um, from the, from the Bucks Hornets 2001 series, which by the way, we're going to do a live rewatch. We'll get you more information about how you can join us live on Friday at 12 o'clock PM Eastern time. We're going to rewatch the fourth quarters of games four through six of that series. And they would go on to make the playoffs the next season, but they got uh, run over by the Nets, who would eventually go on to the finals in the in the final season uh, for Charlotte uh, for the Charlotte Hornets in the in the playoffs before they moved to New Orleans. Uh, but that year previous was the year where Baron Davis was really cooking, Jamal was healthy, David Wesley was playing well, Eldon Campbell was playing well, PJ Brown was playing well, and that was a stacked team. And I I felt like that was their closest opportunity to the Eastern Conference Finals. Plus, Rick Bunnell said that he didn't believe that, that he thought that the Jefferson-led Bobcats, I mean, that was the hottest take of the whole segment. Oh, my God. That they could have beaten the Miami Heat. And the Raptors said that. And the Toronto Raptors because they played them so well. The Hornets have historically played the Raptors really well. This whole past decade, doesn't matter if it's DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, uh, maybe Kawhi Leonard was able to get the best of them. But even last year, I don't know if, I don't think Kawhi played that game, but that was the Jeremy Lamb half court game. They've always played the Raptors well. And to Rick's point, if Al Jefferson doesn't get hurt, maybe they do have a shot to win both of those series. Maybe they do win in both of those series. But yeah, that was, that was something certainly to take away from that part with Rick. That's an interesting conversation. The franchises that over the course of their history, they've played really well. I mean, right now they, they cannot lose against the Detroit Pistons. They've played the Toronto Raptors in recent history. Well, he met Rick mentioned that the Hornets had this streak against uh, the Lakers. Even when the Lakers were good, they had Kobe, they had, they had players, but somehow the Bobcats were able to overcome them in in odd ways. Uh, so yeah, I mean there there are those interesting franchises. I would love to go back and kind of explore which franchises in the original Hornets era that they traditionally owned. I'm sure I'm sure someone's listening right now that remembers that era fully is going. You know, yes, I know the the answer to this question. So if you do, get on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. And, and let us know. Also, real quick, Walker, he mentioned next offseason, that question that we got from Caleb. Caleb, thank you for tweeting us at Lockdown Hornets, your question. Uh, I agree with Rick. I think that next offseason is going to be very, whenever it happens, this offseason, I guess, this coming offseason, is going to be very quiet. 
and I think all teams are going to batten down the hatches, and I don't think there will be many opportunities for the Hornets to acquire bad assets in order to get future good assets. Rick, I, I, or Rick, I call, I called you Rick. You're not Rick Bennell. That's a compliment. Thank you. I know it was, especially with that content he gave us. With what Rick said, Doug, there was another thing that kind of comes to mind that I don't know if I've given a whole lot of thought to in the past. Man, the stars, the best players in Charlotte franchise history, not the greatest relationships with those guys in, in large part. You think about Alonzo Mourning. Yeah. You think about Alonzo Mourning. That certainly didn't end well. Larry Johnson isn't somebody that I think is embraced by the team. Remember, he doesn't come back and get commemorated by the Charlotte Hornets. I, I forget what the relationship is there, like why it is what it is, but that's not somebody that's embraced wholeheartedly. It's not. Kimba was a guy that, that it wasn't ugly, ugly. Certainly didn't end on the best of terms. And then how about Gerald Wallace? I Gerald Wallace was traded to the Portland Trailblazers, and that was somebody that the team beloved. I mean, the only guy that was beloved for a Charlotte Bobcats team. I know we liked Captain Jack, but also when we go with Gerald Wallace leaving the way he did, yeah, man, that that's tough. Like we got Muggsy Bogues, we have Del Curry, mm-hmm. and you know, I the, the Kemba thing, it's not we'll embrace Kimba. I'm sure Kimba will brace us then we'll call that home and that'll be fine. But it's not like that was all roses a hundred percent. No, but I, but I think that past history puts what happened with Kimba Walker and the franchise into a little context. And I I think I said this at the time that when you consider how things ended for LJ and Alonzo, that in comparison, the Kimba Walker thing is about as good as you can expect. Listen, when your team is not making Eastern conference finals, much less NBA finals, then it's going to be tough for your best players to end their career in in that city. So it, it's easier for mediocre players, and and no offense to uh, Muggsy or Dell, we love them, sure. we have all this affection for them, but but they were mediocre NBA players. They were bench, they were reserve players, and Muggsy obviously started for a while. But he's you know when you're a great player, you end with your franchise when that franchise is great. And the Charlotte Hornets were never never able to achieve that success even when they had Zoe and LJ. Uh, LJ, the acrimony, I believe, was around his desire for an extension to that contract that he signed that actually partially led to Zoe leaving. He wanted to, to be here longer, but he had all these back issues and the organization did not want right. to spend the massive amounts of money it was going to take to keep LJ. So they decided to trade him to New York which was emotionally difficult for the franchise and the fans. But honestly, it played itself out to, you know, be true. He did have back issues and those would um, truncate his career. All right. Let's talk about some of the best moments in Charlotte Hornets history. We did put it out there, I believe a couple of weeks ago that in the times of the coronavirus, we have to create some content and we will do so by uh, looking at some of the best Charlotte moment, uh, Charlotte Hornets moments in history. And a lot of people tweeted at us what their favorite moments were uh, moments that should be a part of the bracket. And Doug, I think we're going to start uh, doing that this week, next week. What are, what are our plans with the bracket? So here's the plan this weekend. Walker and I are going to put our heads together. We've got this list here. That's partially our list. Uh, Rick Bennell, you heard him last segment, add a few things to the list. And then we've got some people on Twitter and maybe I'll put one more tweet out asking for moments um, so if you haven't gotten yours in yet, look for that on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. But we've got several already that I can add to the list. So Walker and I this weekend are going to put our heads together and come up with 16, the top 16, and then seed those one through four. And we'll do a bracket challenge, and then we'll leave it up to the followers of at Locked on Hornets 
to vote on those moments and see what the best moment in franchise history. Just a few from the list. We've got the Hornets being in Space Jam. We've got the Hornets <laughs> debuting twice, the debut in 80 um, in 89 yeah. and then the debut uh, when they came back. Uh, the Bobcats we get, getting a second uh, franchise for Charlotte. Kimball Walker's first All-Star game, the first time he started as an All-Star. Um, and then you heard Rick Kobe scoring 58 points with the Bobcats win against the Lakers. So uh, let's go to Twitter now and see. This is the, the, a great start here by at J Brown Buzz City. Urkel and Grandmama winning the two-on-two Chicago City Championship on an episode of Family Matters. Do you remember this, Walker? No, I don't remember this. Oh, and I, I watched Family Matters a little bit as a kid growing up when it would come on Nick at Night or whatever, like TBS reruns. And I don't remember Larry Johnson ever appearing in an episode. The Hornets were a national team. I mean, this was a time when the Hornets were national. They were on television, uh, Grandmama, and that whole squad was just in Space Jam. They were just a national phenomenon. And uh, Jimmy, great suggestion there. I'll add it to the list. Uh, Byron Mullins dunk over Aldridge. We got from at QC underscore Dogger. I, I put that on the list. It's great. I'm putting. That, I'm, ke- I'm kicking that out if I can. Nope. There's got to be 16 other moments that are better than Byron Mullins. We so. should each get one that we. We should each get one that we have to put in there. <laughs> I, and I, the Byron Mullins dunk over Aldridge against the. So it was the Trailblazers. I think originally I said the Kings. It was the Trailblazers. Um, so Andy saying very recent. But the 20 to nothing run against the Rockets was special to me as I was able to show all of my friends the potential of the current team. Yeah, I I love this suggestion by Andy. I don't know that it's going to make the top 16, but yeah, I mean, that was really cool. It was great to see the young guys out there doing their thing. Well, and and what we didn't bring up, I think last week, Doug, is the Jeremy Lamb half court shot. I just mentioned a little bit earlier. I mean, that was, that was special. That was really cool to see. And that actually put them in position to make the playoffs. Now, eventually they wouldn't, but Jeremy Lamb hitting that half court shot. I thought that was uh, another moment that should be mentioned. You you know what? And you're not the only one. We had another listener uh, mention that as well. Uh, The Jeremy Lamb heave that was at Rich Devital. And uh, he also mentions the Bobcats beating the Lakers in double overtime when Kobe dropped 61. Wow. So him and Rick Bennell were, were right there. They, um, uh, they were in sync there. So those are just a, a few of the suggestions we have right now. If you want to submit yours, oh, one more here, from, two more actually, from at the FF forecast, the Miami game where LBJ scored his most points ever while Big Al went for 38 and 19. So that feels like a LeBron best moment of all time. Not sure if that was great for the Bobcats, uh, but Big Al going for thirty-eight nineteen was uh, pretty special. Yeah, we could we could we could make a big list of other people's best moments that came against the Bobcats. Mellow going for sixty, LeBron going for sixty. We can we can do that as well. The other people having their best moments against the Charlotte Bobcats in the regular season. And that's it, Doug, or do you have one more? You uh, final one here from at I'd buy you a monkey. Zoe and LJ defeating the Celtics with a future NCAA national championship and coach of the year. Tony Bennett taking down Rick Fox and D Brown. We just live rewatched the fourth quarter of that final game. If you want to check that out, uh, you can go to at locked on live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and the live stream is up on all of those channels. It's up on YouTube as well, Locked On Live. Um, Go to about the 15 minute mark because we started out with some technical difficulties that I have figured out. So if you join us on Friday, we'll have it all figured out and we'll be watching that great series against the Milwaukee Bucks. 
have a lot of good stuff planned for you uh, this week and next week. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks to Rick for joining us as he does every Tuesday. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow.